All right. Welcome back. Welcome back to Biblos. We are glad that you've decided to join us again. Um, it is a cool evening here in Durham, here at First Pentecostal Church and Tabernacula de Vida. We are having wonderful services. God has been so good to us. I trust God has been good where you are. We are praying for you, for your church. Take time to pray for your pastor and your pastor's wife and and the people of God that lead you and, and strengthen you. They need your prayers. I know they would appreciate your prayers. Thank God for men and women of God that lead the charge. Uh, there's a spirit. There's a spirit of this age that is actively at work trying to chip away and fight against the things of God. But we've got the words of the apostles and the prophets that tell us that we are going to be victorious. God is going to bring us through and the kingdom of God is going to increase. So it's good news. It's good news, and we're glad that you're here. I'm particularly glad to be here with a good friend of mine. He's been preaching uh, for us for the last two weeks, powerful, powerful messages. We've had many, many people baptized, people get the Holy Ghost, and he's here with us. I was able to get him in here for Biblos. Many of you have requested him, and so we have him here in the flesh <laughs> it's good to have Brother Wade Bass with us tonight. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yes, sir. Um, I've wanted to get you on the program for a good while. You uh, travel, you preach, you preach internationally, and um, people know you from conferences, but I'm glad you could be here with us at Biblos because now they can kind of sit down and have a conversation with you and he kind of hear, you know, kind of where you're coming from. Well, I'm expressly delighted to be <clears throat> back in Durham. Uh, first time here was uh, 50 years ago, 51 years ago, actually, now. I think that's a little bit more than you've been alive. It has. exactly <laughs> right. I, I wasn't even in, in existence yet. Yeah. Right behind me, about probably 20 feet. The little building. The little building is when I, I preached in there when I was uh, 17 years old. You preached here before Brother Godier was here. Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> preached here prior to him being here. That is so something. We actually had a great miracle during that time. Besides the fact we had people receive the Holy Ghost, we had a woman that was legally blind, could not read. And, and uh, that night, simple prayer. Wow. Great miracle. She was shouting in the foyer, screaming, I can read, I can read. And she had a track, you know, the old tracks we used yeah. to have, yeah. very fine print. And she's reading off of that track. So it was one that, uh, a memory that I can never forget. So that would have been, what, 69, 70, 71? That would have been 1970. 1970. Yeah. 1970. And really, I wasn't even supposed to be here preaching. I had gotten canceled by someone else, which uh, we won't bring those names into the picture. But <laughs> uh, Brother Bayham, who was the former pastor of this church, um, had seen us and knew we had been canceled, so he invited us to come over. Isn't that something? And uh, so that's, yeah, it's a cherished memory for and me. And you would have been a young preacher at that time. At 17 years old. So take heart, young preachers. <laughs> this is how it ends up when you live for God and live faithfully. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, there's not too many people that can say that they uh, were even here before the goat ears. That's, that's, quite, that's quite a thing right there. Uh, Praise God. A few of us, yeah. not many. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Well, you, you have had a lot going on. Uh, not only have you been here a couple of weeks, but you have just returned from Africa. Right. Where you have done extensive work in... Uganda, Zimbabwe, Uganda, uh, Malawi, Zimbabwe, and Zambia, four different countries. Four different countries. Yes. How long were you over there? Uh, I was there two weeks. Two, and you're uh, just doing sprinting through those yeah, countries. That doesn't include the travel time. Shh. Actually in the, in the continent for two weeks. Wow. Uh, we had services in Malawi and also in Uganda first, and then from there, 
to Malawi, from Malawi to Zimbabwe. And in each of those places, we were there about two days each. We yeah. had people being baptized, getting the Holy Ghost in each one of those places. And we were there largely to strengthen the hands of men who are recent converts to this message. Yeah, uh, These are men that have not been in the apostolic way for very long, but they are doing incredible work. Uh, the bishop in Malawi that uh, we baptized him two years ago, and as of today, uh, in the past two years, he has baptized over 450 people wow. since that time. Wow, wow, wow. So it's, it's amazing what God is doing. Isn't that something? Praise Very God. Very amazing, yes. We uh, had a conference uh, that we call the Shepherd Symposium. Uh, this was a dream of mine uh, for three years. I have worked on this idea, this concept, uh, more of a training-type conference for men in my burden has largely been third world countries yeah and men that didn't have access to the kind of training that you may can have here in north america yeah so i had this burden and we worked on it and finally it all came to fruition and we had our very first symposium in zambia wow and this was the place that we were in two years ago when they had invited us to a Trinitarian conference to preach on the Godhead and baptism in Jesus' name. What do you find when you get over there? Do you find that people are just full-blown Trinitarians steeped in the doctrine, or this is just something that was planted in their hearts? That's what they know. They go with it, and then they're receptive to oneness. Uh, I think you have really a, a bit of both of that. Some of them are very trained. They have degrees from various biblical universities, mm -hmm. religious universities. And so some of them are very steeped in it. Others, I think it's as you would describe, it was just given to them, they accepted it at face value and haven't yeah. really researched it. So we're actually getting converts from both of those camps. Okay, Men that were, uh, the bishop that, we, that just hosted this conference got up during the conference and said to the entire crowd, we preached heresy for 40 years. Oh, my goodness. That's he, quite a statement. Uh, quite a statement. It takes quite a man to stand yes, up it does. and make that kind of statement in front of his own constituents, yeah. people that he's trained, people that he's developed. And he said, we preached heresy for 40 years. My, but my, my. now we have the truth. Yeah, We have heard the beautiful? truth, and we accept it. And even since you've been back, you've had more oh, results. You've yes. gotten reports. yes from ministers that yes. this is ongoing. People are getting baptized. There's, there's. We have several that have been baptized <clears throat> in the past week and a half. Uh, and these are these are our leaders. These are men that have a substantial following. And so it will filter now down through their ministry and into their churches. But the step has been taken by the leadership right there in the country of Zambia. However, we have lingering effects, uh, Malawi, um, the bishop there just texted me a few days ago, and a pastor that was at the conference in Zambia, he has he has now been baptized, he and his wife, as well as his leadership and his church. So wow. there was like 31 people that were baptized here just a few days ago yeah. in Malawi. Now we're receiving reports. Uh, when we arrived in Zambia, we had already capped our number. Uh, we had 176 that were registered for the conference, which was about 75 more 
than what I had given them as a as a cap to begin with. <laughs> there was so much interest. That's a good problem to have. A very good problem. But then in the in the day or two <clears throat> previous to the beginning of that meeting, there were thirty pastors from that general area that contacted Bishop Mawinga and said, "We want to be involved. We don't wow. need a place to stay. We just want to be in the services." Well, just. A couple of days ago, they notified him that all 30 of them are now ready to be baptized in Jesus' Praise name. Praise God. Look at that. Yes. And then we have um, a bishop and pastors in Tanzania that heard, they, they received some kind of communication. It was either by Facebook uh, recordings or whatever that they saw. And they have contacted us and said, send somebody here. We hear what you are preaching the main guy that sent the the uh, video message, he said, this was something I dreamed about. And he said, now I'm hearing it preached. Wow. So I want someone to come. I found out today that there are 20 pastors and bishops, as well as church members in Tanzania that are ready to be baptized. They're just waiting on someone to get there. My goodness. So we're sending a group over there next week. Okay, so look at how closely that mirrors the book of Acts. Yes. So a group goes in in Acts chapter 8. They uh, Philip preaches Jesus. They believe. They are baptized. And then they send a group over from Jerusalem. Uh, Peter and John come over. They preach to them. They The Holy Ghost falls on them. Simon the sorcerer is there. Now here we are. Right. 2,000 years later. Yes. And the gospel's getting there. They're baptized in Jesus' name, or they want to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so a group is now headed over just like absolutely in the Bible days. And it, and it is. This, we use that term several times when we were in Africa on this trip. This is a book of Acts experience. Mm. We're watching the book of Acts unfold. There's a reason why there's no amen on the book of Acts. On the book of Acts. Mm. Because it's still it's still continuing. It's still today. continuing. Um well, you know. People might see you at a conference. They'll see you preaching. You preach a lot of conferences. You're very in demand as far as a preacher goes. And we're going to talk about some of the subject matter that you you get into. And young preachers want to know, how does Brother Bass think? How how does he approach the Bible, the Word of God? Um, but what they might not know is your missional stuff that you're doing. You're churning here. You're not just preaching conferences and eating at restaurants and those, those kind of things. You are out in the field. You are training. And you pastored for... Decades. I pastored probably a total of about 31, 32 years. So, and your ministry was effective there uh, in Central Florida. But now you have quote unquote retired and you're doing more. <laughs> you're doing more. <laughs> I am busier now than I was as a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. there's no doubt that there's thousands, tens of thousands, if not more, being impacted by the gospel. So, thank God for it. Um, and you, you do your work through Blue Heart Missions. Yes. And yes. this is something that, that comes out of a very personal uh, part of your life where right. you, you engaged in it. You decided we're going to do this and we're going to do it for, um, for God. And we're going to let something good come out of difficult circumstances. And, yes. and here you are doing it. Here we are. Yes. So in, in the Blue Heart uh, Missions, um, when, I, when we formed that ministry, my vision was that we would be doing exactly what we're doing right now, which is more than just a, a national ministry, but an, not just an international ministry, but also a vehicle through which 
other works around the world could be affected, could be impacted, whether it be through ministry or even through finances. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where we are. God has blessed it. Uh, We currently, uh, a lot of my focus while I've been in many parts of the world, right now a lot of my focus is on India and Africa. So we have two large projects going on in India, uh, and we're having great things happen there. Uh, our, our pastor in the state of Andhra Pradesh just recently baptized 11 Trinitarian uh, preachers just in within a two-day period as a result of wow. meetings he had. And then we have about, uh, I, I'm in, involved in about six or seven countries directly, <clears throat> but then I'm indirectly involved through these to other South, especially South African nations, because that's the area that we're working with. And in all of these situations, we're dealing with native men, men that all are all are already there. They they know the language. They were born and raised there. So I have absolutely uh, nothing negative to say about the missions work as it has been done through the course of many many years. We have supported that. Uh, for all of my ministry. Yeah. However, I am seeing the need of finding these ministries that are that are embracing truth and helping to facilitate their ministry. Yeah. Because they're already on the ground. Well, that's such a huge concept because if you have a uh, an American, um, whether you know they're white or they're black or Hispanic, if they're from the states, they're considered American, and they go to a foreign field the needs of that American um, are exponentially more exactly. than a person in that native area. So to, to find native organic people who they don't have to deal with immigration, they don't have to worry about visas, they don't have to worry about work permits or anything like that. Uh, they already speak the language fluently. They know the cultures and all the dynamics there. Um, I know there's challenges. I mean, I don't mean to act like there's not because when you are – dealing with such large dynamics, ministerial dynamics. If someone's not accustomed to that, it can overwhelm them. Right. But if you can find those faithful men and women who mm-hmm. are have a true book of Acts experience and they truly are committed, man, you could change the world with that. Well, uh, we're seeing it. Uh, it's not just uh, something that we dream about happening. We're, we are literally watching it unfold because the one bishop that we're working with in Zambia, he has churches in eight different South African nations. Mm -hmm. This man has totally sold out to the apostolic message, not just the Godhead and not just baptism in Jesus' name, but he has embraced holiness Mm. and separation from the world. It was was really stunning to stand back and watch— how God has unfolded all of these truths. And a lot of it has been because we've been willing to commit ourselves to helping to teach them and train them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, through and under the banner, the, the umbrella of the Shepherd Symposium that Blue Heart Missions, in conjunction with the Global Missions Council, uh, is, is doing these, starting now to do these conferences. Uh, I have also sent overseas 
uh, 32 video recorded lessons on strictly doctrine. Now these are, this is material that you came up with. Yes. That God gave to you. You have personally done this. Yes. And you have now distributed it. Yes. To these nations. Yes. <clears throat> yes. We're talking um, uh, uh, messages, teaching on the Godhead, on the plan of salvation, on spiritual authority, stewardship, holiness and separation, mm-hmm. prayer, fasting. All the things that we feel are very vital at this point where they are. There will be other things that we will deal with. But what's amazing, Brother Ershon, is is how how hungry they are to know the depths of this truth. Yes. I mean, I have questions asked me that I'm like, I'm looking at them saying, where did you come up with that question, seeing that you're so new to this apostolic message? They're just hungry. They're hungry. They have a desire to know more. So I'm getting requests for, can you deal with this subject? Can you deal with this? Uh, this, We understand that we don't have a problem with it, but our problem is trying to explain it to those that may not see what we see or understand what we understand. So I'm having to work with them to help them comprehend so that they can tell it to others. That's the key. That's the key. Um, Wow. Do you have a website for Blue Heart Missions? You know, I have a website, uh, but I'm really not sure if it's all up to date. Unfortunately, <laughs> I understand um, it's a it's a it's a problem for everybody. Yeah, that's, that's we've just we've just had so many things going on this year. I mean, it's, I've been under the gun trying to get all of the material because the separate <clears throat> symposium, everything is written out. All the lessons are written out. I mean, I even today, I get a text from my bishop in Malawi saying, I'm desperate to take these materials and translate them into our local language because we have people that don't understand English. And so he said, can you help me? Uh, we, we want to translate this. We want to print this in book form so our our pastors can take this and teach it to their young ministers and their local congregations because Absolutely. in the syllabus— for the conference, we had not only our lessons that we dealt with in ministry, but I included lessons on the Godhead, on the plan of salvation, on holiness and separation. And it's those lessons that these men are studying and saying, we want to take this and teach it to our churches. So it's like this thing is getting bigger and bigger. Mm. And uh, we're just having to try to maneuver our way through uh, to cover all these bases. Well, if you're a pastor and you're watching this right now and you're wondering how can I help with the work in Africa, how can I give to Blue Heart Missions, you can give to them through the WPF, can't you? Yes, yes. And you can give it uh, through FPC. We can funnel it as well. And um, we want this to go forward. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Um, All right. Well, what you're talking about is the purpose and the will of God. Yes. Um, It's about heaven coming into alignment with earth. Exactly. Uh, earlier at lunch today, you and I were talking about <clears throat> about the purpose of God and how the purpose of God, how man can find the will of God in their life um, and get heaven going to work for them. So we talked a little bit about that. We talked about um, what happens when heaven starts fighting for right. you. Exactly. So you were sharing some stuff with me on that, and you were getting into judges, and I think we went to Genesis 49, and we right. wound up in a lot of places. So tell me a little bit about what you were talking about earlier. Well, one of the things that I, I have a great concern about with the younger generation 
is the will of God. I think the will of God is probably the most important thing that any man who is in ministry can seek after. Um, I, I quoted this verse to you earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, that God does all things. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. Mm-hmm. So it's not me asking God to bless what I'm doing or what my will or desire is, but it's me finding the will of God because that's where God is working. He's working wherever he has established his will. So I see this all through the scripture that men who were in the will of God could accomplish so much more than men who were outside of the will of God. In fact, you can even use the same man. For instance, uh, Moses outside the will of God, could not keep one Egyptian hid in the sand. (laughs) While in the will of God, he could bury the whole Egyptian army in the Red Sea. Well, see, that's it, right? Look at this. There's your your comparison. You know, you could use David. David in the will of God single-handedly could take down, down Goliath. But when he was dealing with an old grouch, he took 400 men with him to try to deal. So he's in the will of God killing Goliath. He's outside of the will of God trying to deal with Naboth. So it was a losing battle. Yeah, And it's always a losing battle whenever you have got to somehow gather your own forces to get the job done. And I give you an illustration, and, and, and forgive me for this particular personal illustration, but today I was praying in the hotel room, and I was outlining to God, we have this need, we have this need, we have this need. And I know that this is your will because we've seen you working in all these areas. And so I'm just putting it in your hands. Four hours later, I get a text from a pastor who says, I'm just feeling like I need to send you an offering right now. My. And it's like, I just text him back. I said, this is an answer to prayer. Yeah. Because this is how I feel that God can work, that God can operate. We don't have to somehow rest all of this and force it to work when God is in it. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, um, one of the areas that you and I discussed was the area of God doing the work and God being involved in the work, but we have to show up. We have to show up. So it's like going back to David and Goliath. <laughs> God, his will was to kill a giant, but he needed David on the battlefield. Yeah, His will was to bring Israel out of the land of Egypt to deliver his people, but he needed Moses Well, I think site. we talked about Judges 5, and in that, um, Sisera was troubling Israel. Right. And so God wanted to confront them. He wanted to win the battle. God wants to win battles. Exactly right. And so Barak is supposed to do it. He's supposed to step up and fight the battle, and he's afraid exactly and so here's this man who refuses because of whatever reason the the danger the the cost or the the whatever the pressure and so deborah steps up and says if you won't do it i'll do it and and there's a there's a point there deborah a woman was not supposed to lead in battle Yes. It's in the book. Yeah. God did not want women leading in the fight. Deborah was upset that Barak wouldn't and step up. And she was very upset about that. And when you follow the story, she gets put first and Barak gets put second Yeah, in, in the narration because he didn't lead as he ought to. So God's looking to do the work. God is looking to do the work. And when you, when you note that the battle that was fought, 
what I find so significant is the is the song that Deborah sung. Yeah, the song because that in that song she reveals so much about what went on during the course of this battle. Now the battle to God was important. It was so important as we said that he let Deborah lead in the battle. Mm-hmm. So we have an anomaly here. And all through the word of God there are anomalies where that God because of his will being accomplished he allowed certain situations that under normal circumstances he didn't allow that. Yes. But that's God. That's and he's God. sovereign. I think you all dealt with that recently. He's oh, a sovereign God. He's a sovereign <laughs> God. Well, and you know, you can even see that in a marriage. You know, um, if a man, a man is designed by God to lead that family. Exactly right. If he abdicates his authority, he steps out of his role, God doesn't leave them to flounder. Many times a, a mother has to step in, become the de facto head, because the man is not being a man. And so uh, he's not leading an authority. He's not submitted to God. So she has to step in. She, now she's not designed for that. She's not designed for the rigors that the man is designed for. Right. But God's will's got to be done. The children have to be raised. They need to be in church. They need to live for God. And so we see that on a practical level played out. But here, they were going to battle. God wanted Barak in place. Heaven was ready to fight. Right. And she uses a phrase in there that the stars in their course fought against <laughs> Sisera. So heaven literally will align with us and will fight for us. Right. Is the point. Right. And and the, the fact being that God just needed, he really needed a barack in place, but because he was not, he would not fulfill his God-given responsibility, then Deborah steps in and she fulfills that responsibility and God gives them great victory. However, the background of that victory reveals so much. Mm. There's really a contrast between the people of Zebulon and Naphtali, the children of Zebulon and Naphtali, and the city of Meraz. When you look at what she said about the city of Meraz, she said, curse you, curse you bitterly, saith the Lord of hosts, because you came not to the help of the Lord against the Almighty. So the tribes are coming to help. Right. And here's this group that will not come. That will not come that will not participate, and so God cursed them. Now, as I understand it, based on what I have tried to, to find out, to research, um, Miraz apparently was so cursed by God that archaeologists cannot even locate where they were situated. Wow. They, they don't even, they can't even find. They, they can pinpoint, it's my understanding, they can pinpoint every city in the Word of God and its location. It may not exist today, but they know where it was located. They cannot determine where Miraz was located. Mm. And it's because Miraz tried to stay neutral. Mm. And you can't be neutral. Neutrality with Jesus Christ is impossible. He yeah. said, you're either with me or you're against me. If you're hot or you're cold. Exactly. By virtue of the fact that you're not with him, you are against him. So you ha- there has to be somebody to stand up. Well, who do we have standing up? that's going to fight and who is going to jeopard their lives. It is Zebulon and Naphtali. Naphtali, yeah. Because that's what she wrote about them. Now, she wrote about all of the other tribes, and some of them were reluctant. Some of them, you know, gave partially. But these people, Zebulon and Naphtali, said they have jeoparded their lives even unto the death. Wow. So these men were saying, doesn't matter what it costs, we are here we're on we're on base. 
we're ready, we'll fight, and if we have to lose our life, this is a hill to die on for us. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what they were recognized as. Now, to many of us, when we read that, we think that's the end of the story. But that is not the end of the story. Mm-mm. Because anyone who shows up on the battlefield and who was faithful to God, when God wants to win a battle, he never forgets them. Mm. It's written down. And it's, it's like it's like <clears throat> Mordecai, whose, whose events at the king's gate was written in the Chronicles of the King. And at some point, there was a reminder. At some point, there was a remembering and there was a rewarding. So you always have that remembrance and reward. Yes. So uh, Mordecai is rewarded for his position and what he did at the king's gate. So we follow this down through the scripture. And when you get, uh, when you get to uh, the book of, of uh, Matthew, it said that, that Jesus came to the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee, of the Gentiles. Wow. The people which sat in darkness. Now, what this is telling us in Matthew 4 is that Jesus Christ began his earthly ministry in Galilee. That's exactly right. And that's where he began to call his disciples. He chose disciples out of those who were called the Galileans. And this is the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. That's the land. That's where they settled, yeah. was around the Sea of Galilee. So these were the men. Now, you got you got to think about this. If they jeoparded their lives, it seems evident that we're following a pattern here. They fought the natural battle mm. back here, mm-hmm. and Jesus is looking for an army to develop in, in the book of Matthew, at the beginning of his ministry, he needs a few generals. He yeah. needs some men that is going to lead in battle, and he already knows the spirit of Zebulon. He yeah. knows the spirit of Naphtali. Mm. We'll be there. We'll fight. We'll, we'll give our all. So that's what he was looking for, wow. was those kind of <clears throat> men. Yeah. And that's who he chose. He chose from those that go all the way back to this important battle Isn't in Judges that, 4 and And 5. this is the will of God and the repercussions and the ripple effect that goes down through time. Exactly. So you can make a decision today that you think is inconsequential, but if it is in alignment with the will of God, you're setting in motion a chain of events, and God only knows where it's going to end up. God only knows. God only knows. And and I I know we don't have time here today, but there's a thousand and one things coming to my mind right now. I think about the two men who stood on each side of Moses holding his hands up, Mm -hmm. You have Aaron and you have her that are there holding his hands up. The significant thing is God let those two men stand where the preacher stood. Mm -hmm. See the battle from the perspective of the preacher. Observe everything that was going on in the valley while Joshua was down there fighting the Amalekites. They realized we got to hold his hands up. They realized we've got to keep the hands of the man of God up. Problem is, a little further down the road, Moses goes on the mountain. Aaron is left in charge. And what's the outcome? Aaron takes things upon himself. Mm-hmm. He forms a golden calf. And then you go down through Scripture, and you find his sons also transgressions, transgressing spiritual authority. 
But let's look at the other man. By virtue of the silence that we have in Scripture, we understand this man was not of the same spirit that Aaron was with regards to taking things upon himself that he should not have taken. Mm -hmm. However, you note as you go down through the book of Exodus, you come to the time that they're building the tabernacle and all the furniture is being constructed in the tabernacle. Who was it that God gave wisdom and knowledge and understanding to? It was the grandson of the other man. Isn't So this is the grandson of her. This is the grandson of her. Isn't that something? That God gives the wisdom and knowledge. So the point being that the spirit, the attitude can go down through the generations following. Mm -hmm. Here is a man who is who is following his father and his grandfather, and God uses him in a great way, but the two sons of Aaron are destroyed by fire wow. in the tabernacle wow. because of their transgressions. Isn't so that what something? we decisions that we make can and will affect our family. It what, will affect whether our we're in alignment with what heaven's doing. Exactly. Exactly. The beautiful thing about all this, and this is the part I like the most, is when you go all the way through death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you get then to Jerusalem, where there was about 120 that were in the upper room. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, this whole crowd that was speaking in tongues, people from every nation were hearing, watching, observing, and here's what they said. They said, are not all these which speak Galileans? Galileans. The first people that received the gift of the Holy Ghost were the tribe of Zebulon and Naphtali. Isn't that something? So what do we have? We have God now establishing, and I, I am confident that when he said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, he was letting it be known that the moment that his church is established, the moment his church is birthed, then there is going to be a major spiritual battle engaged mm. from that point until the coming of Jesus Christ. So who did he use to begin mm. establishing the cosmic that battle? Yeah. Who did he begin? <laughs> who did he start using? He used the same people that jeoparded their lives. Isn't back that something? In Judges chapter four. It's exactly what the apostles did. They gave their lives. They, they jeopardized their, their lives. So the battle of Judges 5 finds its fruition, its culmination here Absolutely. in the cosmic battle. Now, I got to looking at that, and I found a portion of Scripture that I, I found very interesting um, because I like to go back to Genesis 49. I like to go back to where even um, we see um, Israel giving out the blessings and the curses. And uh, it says of Zebulun in Genesis 49, 13, Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea. He shall be in haven of ship, ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. So here you have a haven of the sea, a haven of ships. And into my mind comes this port, the seaport. And that is indicative of a place for uh, export, import, right. in and out. It, right. It's almost an evangelistic missional dynamic that we're seeing Zebulun's going to be, he's going to be involved in the commerce, the going and the coming. Right. Um, he's going to be receiving and, and sending. Now we come down to Naphtali and he says, Naphtali is a hind let loose or a roe or a, or a deer. Right. He giveth goodly words. Okay. Now 
that sounds like this arbitrary little scripture, but we look at it, you know, Israel's not saying anything in an arbitrary fashion. Exactly. He he is speaking things that are coming to pass over the millennia. And and profound things come out of Genesis 49. But when you look at Genesis 49, 21, Naphtali is a hind let loose, he giveth goodly words. And you put Acts chapter 2 over the top of that. Exactly right. On the day of Pentecost, so a hind let loose. So here is a uh, a, a beast, um, a, a deer that has been trapped, that has been ensnared, has been let loose, and the scampering, the jumping, the 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 joy of being let loose, um, kicking up its heels, so to speak. Well, we see this on the day of Pentecost. We see people filled with the Holy Ghost, exactly right. and then we see them speaking with other tongues, cloven tongues like as a fire. And when I see that, and I see he giveth goodly words, <laughs> um, I... I see something in that, those verses. So here we have Zebulun, we have Naphtali all the way through, and we see these elements in Acts 2. Whenever we go to church, we are like we've been let loose. We speak goodly words. We have a missional. You're doing it in Africa. And the will of God, he's showing this at the beginning of all things. Well, there would be some that would probably take you to task over that goodly words trying to somehow put it over that Acts 2. Mm-hmm. But you got to remember that they said, we hear them speak in our own language the wonderful works of God. If that's not goodly <laughs> words, I don't know what is. What is? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and they would. You hear Jesus say it when, he tells, when they tell him to tell these people to be quiet as they cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name mm-hmm. of the Lord. And he says to them, have you never... Read out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, exactly. thou hast perfected praise. Perfected praise. So uh, that that spirit of trying to close down that book of Acts, supernatural mm-hmm. uh, outpouring, it's it's always been there. We see it in um, the the priest who comes to Hannah, and she is speaking yes. to herself as she's overcome and she's crying out to God. Right. He tries to close her down. We see this, the woman with the alabaster box, we see it. In, even the people that said these men are full of new wine, others mocking said they were in doubt. That spirit has tried to shut down the purpose of God for a long time. Long time. Long time. But there's got to be a Zebulun and an Aphtali that rises be. up. And, and, I, and I think that for, for the most part, when we look at Zebulon and Naphtali, they, they become, while we see them in Scripture from that physical position they held among the 12 tribes and the Lord using them and calling them out, they become an example. Their spirit, their attitude, their, their whole drive. I, I think that's one reason, going back to what you said earlier about the missional side, Zebulon, that's why Jesus looked at them one day and said, freely you have received freely gives. So it's come in, mm-hmm. but it's time to go out. Wow. And and so we have, you know, one of the things that I have noted is uh, you go through Louisiana, you travel all down that area, and you see these huge um, uh, processing plants for oil. And there's miles and miles, hundreds of miles of pipes and, and all kinds of, of machinery there for the purpose of refining the oil for various purposes and usages. And and I, I used this example one day, said, you know, if you were to go through that entire uh, building, all of that complex, and at the end of your tour, you ask, where's the shipping department? 
And they say, oh, no, well, you don't understand. We, all of this that's done is for the operation of this. I mean, we, we refine all of this so we keep this thing operating, mm. which is not the purpose of the oil refinery. Not at all. The oil refinery is there. It brings in, but it sends back out. People underestimate the power of that right there because I, I preached a message one time on the port, the, and, and it means the door. It is the door. So when mm -hmm. you, the port is the door of a nation. And there are so many words, uh, import, export, important, mm -hmm. porter, the porter of the right. door. Um, Jesus is the door. He's the port. So there's people going in and out of the spirit world. They're going in and out through drugs. They're going through worldly music. They're going through Hollywood. They're entering into spiritual dynamics where devils and unclean spirits attach themselves. But Jesus says, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life. Few there be that find it. There's one port that is safe. That's the straight gate. If we go into the spirit world through Jesus Christ, we come back empowered, not destroyed. Right. And so the, he is the port. And when you, when you take that concept and you say this holy ghost this gospel we're going to take it to the whole world there's your port there's your ships there's your your delivery system of exactly. the gospel exactly there has to be a delivery system in in whatever measure or form whether it's door-to-door -door knocking whether it's home bible studies mm -hmm. whether it's uh, tracks or whether it's um, a podcast or whatever it might be we're we're exporting right now we're exporting right now all over the world, <laughs> just trying to export good things yeah. and hope to a world that's completely lost. Uh, Goodly words. You know, and you have a, you have a. Um, uh, I noticed today there was a headline today that kind of stunned me. It set me back a little bit, and and here's what it said. This this kind of blew me away because. You know, we have we have the the issue of, of uh, social media, and we've talked about this, the dangers of it, and yet on the other side, there's things that it could be used for in a positive manner. But this particular article in The Federalist made this statement. It said, Generation Z is hungry for spirituality, mm. yet the spirituality they hunger for is one liberated from dogma, organization, authority, prescription, and constraint. Wow. That's what they're saying Generation Z is hungry for. And within this article, they are describing how that, uh, they call it witch talk. Instead of TikTok, they're talking about witch talk mm -hmm. and how that it is making the world of the occult accessible wow. to children on their phones. Wow, wow. And there wow. are hundreds of things that they're posting out there for those children to engage in. And I don't even want to, I hate to even talk these things on this type of a podcast, but it's, it should really be to a warning yeah. to parents and to pastors yeah. that you need to, you need to know what your children are engaging in. What doors they're opening. What doors are they opening? Because this door that we're talking about is the only hope. If they go to the other door and they start into the occult, it's it's a road down into a dark world. Into degeneracy. That that is yes, indeed. So there's and we gotta wrap up because I know we've got some stuff coming up here, but I'll say while while the occult is doing this, we have we have liberal professors 
with an atheist agenda, a socialist agenda. We, we even have false prophets doing their dead level best to keep the door of Pentecostalism shut. Right. Jesus said, woe unto you lawyers, you withhold the key of knowledge you have not entered, and those that were entering in, you hindered. You're hindering them. So here, here are the the pointy-headed uh, intellectuals who come from a a Reformation uh, run-of-the-mill theological background that are trying their best to stop Pentecostalism, uh, denigrate it, to to minimize it, to to say it doesn't exist. So the one thing that will save this generation while there there's this attack from the occult an attack from unbelievers we have the religious world locking the door and standing guard against it exactly and that's our challenge right now it's our challenge and we're 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 dealing with that very challenge <clears throat> even overseas because we have so many that are resisting and and don't want this gospel to be preached but thank god that door is not being closed to a point that we're not getting the gospel out. A great and effectual door is, is open. And there are many adversaries. He said, and he didn't say, but he said, and because what he's saying there is we're going to be resisted, but they can't stop us. Mm, that's good. So if I had a final word to all the young ministers out there man, get, find the will of God, know the will of God. If you want your ministry and your life to have long-term effects Work within the parameters of the will of God, and God will use you. And the door that will be open will be an effectual door. Mm -hmm. It will be a door where the fervency of the gospel will be preached. What a statement. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on with us, Brother Bass. Um, we're excited about the work of God that's happening in your life in Africa and, and throughout the nation. And um, we're going to have you back in Durham uh, Lord willing, before too long. And, awesome. And maybe we'll have you back on Biblos again awesome. as well. Look forward to it. Remember Blue Heart Missions, talk uh, pastors, ministers, get a hold of us, get a hold of the WPF, find a way to give to it. It is a worthy cause, and, and we're changing the kingdom of God um, in this last day. Thank you for taking the time to join us here today. We welcome you to come back next time. We look forward to seeing you then. God bless you. God bless you.